Good morning, <laughs> Joanna. <laughs> so you're homophobic about coffee. All right, try again. Good morning, Joanna. <laughs> Good morning, Francine. And how are we doing today, class? <laughs> Good morning, Miss Francine. Has everybody remembered their homework? No. Slash episode plan? No. <laughs> I did it. I literally, I said last week I kind of was struggling with planning because I couldn't focus and I kept getting distracted by the book while trying to take notes on the book. Yeah. It was even worse this week. Oh. My focus has just fucking gone to shit. Happens to me once a month or so. It Also, it doesn't help with... Um, where I'm at with the studying because I switched oh. over to doing Unity 2D yeah. because I don't have a frame for Unreal 5 but I kind of hit a point where I did, did a section of the course this week and I was thinking should I start the next section because then I've got to finish it next week and I don't want to be part way through a section when I go on holiday yeah um but then they announced they were doing a game jam the same company who make these courses yeah uh, and everyone who submits a game gets like a free course out of it as well, which is cool because I wanted to do the 3D Unity course. So I'll get that for free. Nice. Um, but so I thought I'll finish the section I'm on probably on Thursday and then Friday the game jam starts. But then I finished the section I was on on Wednesday, which left me with a weird blank Thursday. And then I hit Friday and realized the game jam doesn't start till 9pm. So I don't even find out what the theme is till then. And I can't really start working on anything. Mm. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, I've done a ton of sewing. I made this, which is more impressive. It's good. It's a nice dress. It's just for for listeners especially. Yeah, yeah. I um I did also make, because uh, you and I have been talking about what I'm going to wear for my birthday priorities. Mm. Uh, so I made the like dark orange silk top that I will oh, potentially yeah. be preparing with a gown that I'm going to turn into a skirt because I can't wear the top half of the gown without flashing everyone whenever I move my arms. Sadness. Which is um, the gown I wore to the HP Lovecraft bar in Portland. Did you flash everybody? No, I used a lot of double-sided tape on one of those weird like strapless and backless bras and I still couldn't I move those. my... I still had to kind of T-Rex myself yeah. the whole way and had to get people to feed me drinks, but some drag queens fell in love with me and said I looked like a movie star nice. and fed me drinks. Okay. I've got one of those bras and... I feel like I would have been on the top end of who that would work for. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than nothing, but it's sort of better it's than slightly nothing. Slightly more better endowed than I am. <laughs> slightly. <laughs> Gravity was not 100% on my side. Um, oh, I was trying Enough to segue, but I can't. Have you, <laughs> have you watched The Amazing Morris trailer yet? No, I haven't watched the trailer yet. Me neither. Um, I, really I thought maybe we done. could watch it on our first cigarette coffee break and come back and talk, talk about, about it fresh. Yes, we probably should. Okay, cool. Um, also, I listened to Pratchett on the Museum of Curiosity oh, episode, cool. which he did back, I think it was in 2013, which you can't get on BBC Sounds. You have to get it through Audible, and there's a whole fucking bunch of them. If anybody does get the Curiosity, Museum of Curiosity, which, by the way, is a Radio 4 show, um, which brings on interesting people and the conceit is that they're they're giving some item, nebulous concept or person to this ridiculous eclectic museum yeah. um, run by John John Lloyd, uh, hosted by John Lloyd, who is also yeah. behind QI. Fun facts. Uh, but And, sorry, also co-wrote uh, The Meaning of Lyft, which is that uh, very silly dictionary of 
words for things we don't have words for that are all stupid place names. Indeed, yes, I'd forgotten that connection. Yes, um, but anyway, if anyone does get the audiobook version of it, it is chapter thirteen because they're not properly properly labelled because oh god, I hate it. Anyway, point is. The point is, I can't go too much into his entry because it's um, it concerns the thief of time, which we haven't got to yet. Which we haven't got to yet. But he did come up with a he he did say a fairly what I thought relevant quote for this episode, which I wrote down. Which was, I always thought of time as a recording mechanism going on and on, and you would go back and you would find it there. History unwinds behind us, but it's still there. Amazing. Anyway, it's a good episode. Um, also, Neil Gaiman has an episode on there. Ah, cool. I um, just speaking of Thief of Time, I was having a look at our episode schedule because obviously as it's May and I've got a million things to do, I am starting to overthink how we're going to schedule the next two years of the podcast. I do understand this compulsion, yes. I've yeah. been editing a book I started working on two years ago and forgot <laughs> instead Amazing. of doing my workload. <laughs> <laughs> um, and God, we've just got such a good run of books coming up for the rest of the year. Uh, yeah, we've got Fifth Elephant next. Fifth Elephant next. Yeah. Then The Truth, which... The name of the thing! <laughs> I'm so sorry, listeners, now. Like, mild spoiler, I guess, if we've got any first-time readers, that the book The Truth somewhat inspired the name of the podcast, but yes. we're going to say the name of the thing in the thing a lot. Yeah. So much. Like, <laughs> Maybe there's an actual term for that. I don't think we should discover it if there is. God, no. Definitely not learning anything. No. Um, and then... We've got The Truth, Thief of Time, I believe, is after oh, The Truth. that is coming up, is it? Yeah, that is okay. coming up. That's why I thought of it. Uh, we've got The Last Hero, and we've got Amazing Morris. And the movie is coming out. Yeah. Oh, I don't know when the movie is coming out. I don't know if that was in the trailer. Oh, maybe. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get back to you on that very shortly, listeners. Mm-hmm. I'm basically just trying to work out when we're going to talk about Nation, because I really oh. want to talk about it. When is it? I haven't decided yet. It'll be next year. Cool. I'm trying to work out how we're going to fit in all of the science of Discworld. I mean, if the worst comes to worst, we can just do it after we've done the rest of the books. I must have, actually, probably the very last one we'll end up doing as some kind of addenda would be the um, the the full Discworld companion, the complete one, the last one. Yeah, we can't we can't really go too talk deep that into that at the, the moment. Yeah. Also, we've still got the Long Earth to talk about. It. I, I'm trying not to think about what will happen when we get to the end of the Discworld because it makes me really sad. Oh, but it's a well, not like you're, really. you're like a completionist. No, no, like I'm a total completionist. I'm just scared that like we'd have to win the podcast and I don't want to. I'll just get obsessed with something else. It's fine. I can do that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's not helpful. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Which has really annoyed me. I've reread like most of this whole series in the last sort of couple of weeks or so just stare because I keep just randomly staring at my phone doing that instead of what I should do. Which and one? then it's like uh, it's a series called The Boss. They're um, like dirty, kinky romance novels. It kind of started as a bit of a piss take. Uh, Jenny Trout, who I think I mentioned on the podcast, was she did these amazing Fifty Shades of Grey recaps, like tearing the books apart, and was like, "I can do better than this," and then did. And did. <laughs> there you go. That's your inspiration. You keep oh, doing fine. that. Now you need to publish some of it. Fine, I'll write a fucking romance novel. I've been bullying Joanna to actually publish some of her work, listeners, because we get the odd, oh, I, I could do better than this thing. And I'm like, you have. <laughs> All right, I'll just publish it. Like, that's well, easy. You have to take some steps before it happens, is my point. <laughs> I vaguely thought you about it. You can't save that's it to your hard step. drive and then say, well, it, I don't understand. It's not been published. <laughs> But this uh, this game jam I'm doing, um, so yeah, the aim is to make a complete game in 10 days. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so I've got to submit it by 11 p.m. next Monday, not this coming Monday. Right. Um, but the theme for it is death is not the end. Nice. So I'm quite enjoying what I'm going to do with that. It's uh, I'm so just going to do like a text-based choose your own right. adventure. Yeah. So the focus will be on writing the story. The actual programming of it should be pretty simple. I still need to figure out some of the mechanics. It'll be a lines. lot of if then what? There's a way to do it where I if don't have what? to just yeah, make right, an entire no. doc of if if else statements. Or if else, thank you. <laughs> if this Got then the word that, else, fantastic, <laughs> amazing. But yeah, so it's going to be like, I'm just going to do a very simple, but I want to get familiar with using Twine, which is like a browser-based... Yeah, kind of rough streak. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's a browser-based program thing designed for writing, like branching narrative stuff. Oh, that a, a lot of game studios use it as like an early drafting tool. I see, that looks fun. Oh, there was something fun I was going to do. I have this handy because uh, the last... is the Unseen University Challenge book. Oh, okay. Uh, because the last thing... I did on my Unity course was like a quiz game. So I just grabbed this out and grabbed a few questions from that to use from it. But I thought I would ask you a random question. Okay. Um, which is great because there are a lot of them are really difficult and I don't know the answers. Okay. Uh, I didn't actually pick a question beforehand because I want to uh, be random me. with it. Uh, oh, these are ways people died. Uh, faculty of Adhesive Ultimates. Plenty of Discworld's people and other entities come to sticky ends. Here is a selection of lethal agencies. Name the victims. A barking dog. I specify that that's all capitalised. Uh, oh, fuck. Some dude in interesting times. Yeah, Lord Hong and Mr. Savaloy will take that. All right. 1,000 trumpeting elephants on improvised bobsleds. Some dude in moving pictures. <laughs> Two unnamed yetis. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> I don't feel bad about that one. <laughs> Uh, speaking one's own name as a route to suicide. Auditor. Uh, Vincent the Invulnerable. Who? Who walked into a tough Ankmore Punk <laughs> pub and announced his chosen name aloud. Oh, what book's that from? Soul music. Oh. Being so stitched to a wall. No. Unnamed what? opera house seamstress in Masquerade. Oh. I, don't, I genuinely don't remember that one. <laughs> okay. I don't remember most of these, to be fair. Give me a couple more. I can do it. Uh, that was the only vaguely funny ones for that. I'll go with okay. one of the more uh, simple ones. Answer this question posed by Arch Chancellor Rid Ridcully. What kind of sad, hopeless person needs to ride wizard on their hat? Oh, Rinsford. I can't. It's the 21st of May. Sorry, I just looked at the date. Fuck, Fuck. off. Fuck off. When did that happen? I think I'm guessing around midnight. I'm going to see My Chemical Romance tomorrow. Oh, you are? Yes. <gasps> I'm very excited. Ooh. All my little emo dreams come true. That will be very fun for you. And, and, guess who's supporting? Who? Placebo. <gasps> Ooh. I'm going to be in the same room as Brian Molko. Yeah, yeah. You're going to flash your tits again? No. I've never flashed pl placebo. Oh, who were, you, who were you flashing when I was with you? System of a Down. Ah, that's right, yeah. And that wasn't really intentional. My top okay. fell off. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> I'm not saying it was totally unintentional. I wore a large sequin <laughs> butterfly with like two straps on it to a, the front row of a system. I loved that. That was very 2000s. That was super oh, you 2000s. you sell that for a fortune on Depop now. No, I'm not going to flash anyone because I'm taking my friend's teenage daughter to this gig and I don't want to set a bad example. Okay. I would very much like to see my chemical. I, I mean, in theory, I would. <laughs> 
In reality, I'm not sure how well I'd cope with a gig like that now. I've got seated That's tickets, so to be fair. Oh, okay, no, that'll be fair then, yeah. This was a wrench. Of, yeah. God, this was originally meant to happen in 2020, but it got postponed by two years. Huh. So at the time I bought the tickets, the teenager I was taking wasn't going to be old enough for the standing area. Yeah, She is now. When did we record the last episode? Was that before or after Eurovision? Have we talked about Eurovision already? We talked about Eurovision in the context of it hadn't happened yet in the last episode. Cool. Um, and then I watched Eurovision. Eurovision. I watched all of it in the end because uh, Becky came up. Oh, lovely. We rewatched it the next night. But... Um, it reminded me of that just because the Rasmus played for Finland. And, yeah. Um, it wasn't great, to be honest, but they look exactly the same, which is very uncanny. And uh, the first gig I ever saw was a Rasmus gig, and it was in the seating area because, yes, we were 14 and Aww. not allowed to go and mosh. I'm still amazed the Rasmus had more than one song because I know exactly one song. Oh, well, the thing is, one of our old mutual friends used to be extremely into the Rasmus, like extremely. And kind of by osmosis, I got pretty into it. And so I know quite a lot of their back catalogue. And I was going through some of the old videos and showing Jack after after we'd seen them on Eurovision. And I was like, look, look at him. He's got all feathers in his hair. Look at him before. I was watching some of it like, all right, this isn't quite as good as I remember going back a bit, but. we all had a big crush on him so yeah i just remember that one song in the shadows that was like everywhere for six months i don't think i i wasn't close enough friends with that mutual friend to get absorbed in there's still one on regular rotation i've got on my playlist actually which is in my life literally in my life i decide and it turns me on you must know that one no no that's good that was my Um, really bad Rasmus impression. How unfortunate. We do need to make a podcast. Oh, yeah, same yeah. thing. Do you want to make a podcast? Yeah, let's make a podcast. <laughs> Quick thoughts on trailer, or do you want to throw that somewhere and follow up? Let's just do that. Yeah, that looked fine. <laughs> uh, non-spoiler <laughs> thoughts, mm-hmm. which makes it harder to talk about. Um, A, coming out at Christmas, yay, because that's mm-hmm. when we've scheduled to talk about it. Super. So I, uh, I'm glad my psychic powers were active for that one. Yeah. Less so for Good Omen Series 2. Um, it looks like they're kind of doing in earnest a lot of stuff that the book takes the piss out of. Yeah, that said, I a lot of trailers, for, especially for like kid films, seem to just fuck up like that like just yeah yeah it's like people who write the articles don't make that don't write the headline it's a yeah. very similar thing but and i don't think it's yeah. going to be as dark as the book the book's quite no. dark for a kid's book i yeah. think they'll have jollied up a bit yeah that's fine it'll be I fine think. it looks very pixar-y in the imagine uh, animation kind of thing yeah that's... it looks like it will be a fun film yeah. it may i may not like it for the same reasons i like the book but i'm sure no, i will enjoy it no, nonetheless no, no. yeah it just looks like a nice kid's film doesn't it yeah sure it'll be fine Anyway, anyway, let's do the actual podcast. Okay. Hello and welcome to The True Shall Make Ye Fret, a podcast in which we are usually reading and recapping every book from Terry Pratchett's Discworld series, one at a time in chronological order. I'm Joanna Hagen. And I'm Francine Carroll. And today we're talking about the third part of the Johnny Maxwell trilogy, Johnny and the Bomb. <gasps> yes, we are. There'll be explosions. At least one. Spoilers. Probably more. Speaking of spoilers, uh, heads up to listeners that we are a spoiler light podcast. 
obviously heavy spoilers for the book, Johnny and the Bomb, and the Johnny Maxwell trilogy in general, but we will avoid spoiling any major future events in the Discworld series, and we're saving any and all discussion of the final Discworld novel, The Shepherd's Crown, until we get there so you, dear listener, can come on the journey with us. Running as fast as you can down a moorland in the wet weather. Right, follow-up-y follow-up. Should we do some follow-up-y follow-up? If you've got any, then let's. So uh, a listener, uh, for some reason, the Reddit comment's not visible at the moment, but a listener made apparently made an account to explain tachyons to us. That's dedication. saved me a Google. I'm sure Uh, this isn't the case, but I like the idea that they've done that and then deleted their account so we don't have any chance of tracking down who illicitly described physics at us. So what I'm going to do is read this comment out so listeners know, but try and not take anything in while reading it out so I don't learn anything. (laughs) Thus, sticking to my rule of not learning about physics. Good. Because I'm still in my experimental phase. (laughs) So, from Tachyon Explainer on Reddit Tachyons in physics are simply particles that travel faster than C, the speed of light in a vacuum. Their name is Greek for swift thing. It is normally impossible under the laws of special relativity to accelerate a particle up to or past the speed of light. Normal particles are therefore separated into two broad categories ones with mass, which always travel below the speed of light and ones without mass, which always travel at the speed of light and cannot go slower. Tachyons are a general term for particles that fall into the third possible category. They are always faster than C. In order to make this work out in the equations of special relativity, they have imaginary mass in the sense of being an imaginary number, not in the normal everyday sense of the word. The standard model of particle physics does not have tachyons in it, but some possible extensions of the standard model, for example, some versions of string theory, predict their existence. But tachyons are a big problem. Anything that can travel faster than the speed of light is capable of also travelling backwards in time. If you can carry information backwards in time, you can quickly create paradoxes. Physicists say that it violates causality, and this is generally considered a big no-no. That bit I retained. Don't violate causality, kids. Mm. Yes, and then comment wraps up. It is this time travelling aspect that presumably gives Miss Tachyon her name. So there we go. Yes, and to to give full background here, listeners, we just called up this comment, and it said it had been removed by moderators, but we're the moderators, and we did not remove it. Maybe we did. So I think there's some causality nonsense going on here. Maybe time travel exists, but like only on Reddit. Oh God, wouldn't that be awful? (laughs) Yeah, the last people we should be allowed to do anything. Honestly. And I say that as a Reddit user. Um, yeah. Do you want to introduce us to this book, Francine? I do, yeah. So this cool. is Johnny and the Bum. This is? Yep. It's the final instalment in the Johnny Maxwell trilogy, published in 1996. Uh, I found quite a long quote from Pratchett, which I'm going to read out. It was on the Alt Books forum. Uh, Johnny appears more passive in Bomb, but if you look, you'll see it's his constant nagging and reminding that that forces others to do things. In other words, he's the conscience of the group. In the two earlier books, he personally has to take and lead. One of the things that makes the books both harder and easier to write is that both Johnny and Kirsty, and to a lesser extent the rest of the gang, have indeed got a sophisticated vocabulary of weirdness. They've read the books about kids having adventures, they've seen a thousand reruns of sci-fi movies and all the current blockbusters and all of the TV sci-fi soaps. So when they end up somewhere adventurous, in a sense, they know the script. Kirsty knows about Men in Black and probably read 14 times. Uh, I know from talking to people last year that young kids had no trouble at all with the paradoxes of time travel or the concept of parallel universes or coming back to where you never went because Trek and Doctor Who and Back to the Future and inferior copies have made it all familiar. 
So when a certain mysterious elderly character was introduced early in the book, I knew two things. The readers would instantly start guessing because of their familiarity with the nature of the genre and that Johnny himself is like the reader. There's no point in pretending it's some major shocking plot point because it can't be. Um, oh, gosh, it is long. But what was then fun was introducing these sophisticated kids to real things which were outside their experience. They're not shocked by time travel, but they are by the casual unthinking racism and sexism in 1941 and the fact that real streets with real kids in them can get blown up. As an aside, I think Johnny probably is a 90s version of Just William, although I make no claims to write as well as Richmond, Richmond Crompton. I mean that William as William can be brought into the 90s. In the 30s and 40s, he was a lovable scamp and we see him through Crompton's eyes, but in the 90s, he would be a thug. All those robust, practical jokes and broken windows. In fact, there was sometimes an edge to William that grated. Anything cerebral was automatically pretentious. And if you want to get really uneasy, read William and the Nazis. To William, a tramp was... Oh, sorry, brackets, or were they nasties? To William, a tramp was a guy in a battered top hat and old boots in the familiar environment of the countryside. But Johnny knows about street people, places you shouldn't go, dangerous town centres after dark. He lives in a much more complicated world and a state of almost perpetual bewilderment. Nice. And I thought that was reading out because I haven't seen anything else that long about Pratchett writing about this book. So No. And it was just buried in a not even the more popular forum. So, Interesting. Yeah. I love that so much of his writing about his own books is around on the internet. I know, yeah. It makes it really fun to dig for it. <laughs> that brings me joy. I should probably try and archive these elsewhere. There's always a chance that Google's just suddenly going to pull all this. Francine, don't give yourself another project. Okay. <laughs> Forgotten. I'm a good friend. <laughs> um, it was also then adapted into a mini series in 2006, which we can always watch one day if we feel like it, uh, which Pratchett seemed <coughs> to like. He didn't mind that they took some stuff out. He didn't mind too much, rather. It, they've moved Blackberry a bit further north, which he said was fine for the bits they added to the plot. And he added they added scenes that he laughed at. So ah, nice. There we go. And that's all I have to say as an introduction. I've had to do a lot more digging for like supplementary bits because there's no previously ons. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I yeah, mean, it's can... your fault. Yeah, it is entirely <laughs> my fault. I suggest it's, it's. I'll tell you what. You're getting better at not apologising for everything because I notice it now when you do. <laughs> it's because I just sort of feel like lingering guilt that I made you make a podcast with me. Like, <laughs> I know you really, really hate spending this much time with me. Oh, Joanna. <laughs> we used to just have coffee instead. It's fine. <laughs> we used to have coffee and talk about Terry Bradshaw. Exactly. We're no. just <laughs> recording ourselves doing it now and have some bullet points. Exactly. Um, right. right. Sorry. Should I tell, talk, tell us what happened? Yes, do. And I'm going to mute myself and eat some hula hoops while you do so because I'm fucking starving. So, uh, Yeah, I had, made sure I had a nice breakfast. Right. Um, in this book. In the Blackberry blackout, there's no more Paradise Street, just a single unexploded bomb. As Mrs. Tachyon and her squeaky-wheeled trolley with pickles aplenty swing by, the bomb explodes. In the future, or the present of the book, which is our past, Johnny dreams of planes, bombs, and a fossilised fly. Times are still trying, and a noise from an alley alerts Johnny and pals to an injured Mrs. Tachyon. As an ambulance claims the old woman, Johnny claims the trolley. In an interlude with a mysterious Sir John, he orders a Bentley to the Blackberry Burger Bar with flashes of Johnny bothering his brain. Back in the present-ish, Tachyon's in hospital and Kirsty's heard rumours of violent yobs. Johnny and Kirsty go for a bedside visit with chips and Johnny's confused about an old new newspaper and a jar of pickles. 
As jo- Sir John wonders about the trousers of time, Johnny, Kirsty, and the time-travelling trolley flash to the future and back again, just in time for a mysterious black car to pull up. The government hush things up, you know. After a high-speed chase in which the rest of the ragtag miscreants are corrected, collected from the mall, the gang land in 1941 and a panic wobbler runs. At a racist corner shop, Johnny learns that it's bombing day for Blackberry, while Big Mac gets in trouble with the police and leaves a bit of the future behind, and Wobbler meets a young boy all set to run back to London, at least until he catches a spy. Children play in Paradise Street as Tachyon relaxes in the past's police cells before reclaiming a trolley. Johnny and the gang head back to the future, but leave Wobbler stranded in the past. They've arrived back to a different trouser leg of time, and Sir John introduced himself as the now elderly Wobbler, having made his billions on the back of burgers. The group head back to 1941 for Wobbler, who may have never been born, and set themselves to make the air raid siren go off, saving the denizens of Paradise Street. As the future happens and time blurs, a mad dash through the angles of the present saves lives as the bomb hits, including that of the young boy who thought he'd caught a spy, Wobbler's grandfather. Back in the present, as they all start to forget, because with Paradise Street saved, why would they ever have gone back? Johnny finds some common ground with his grandfather. And meanwhile, back in the Blackberry blackout, Mrs. Tachyon heads back to spend sixpence. There are a lot of bees in that section. And now I'm just going to carry the podcast for a bit while Francine eats some hula hoops. All right, we're good. We're good. I'm done. <laughs> now, I thought that made quite a good visual, like the popcorn eating for the drama. So I might make a habit of that. <laughs> okay, great. I just have to remember to finish it by the time I finish the summary. I nearly finished the whole packet. I did quite well there. I'm quite impressed. Mm. Well, they're not as big as they used to be. Packets of crisps and such, you know. Yeah, I used to be able to get a giant bag of hula hoops and change from a sixpence. We watched uh, one of the older episodes of Derek Girls last night because I got sad that we'd finished the series. Um, yeah. And noted that when somebody was offered a tin of biscuits, they picked out a, a wagon wheel, which was a full-size 90s wagon wheel, which Jack pointed out and said, someone in the props department made a full-sized wagon wheel just for that tiny bit. <laughs> Which I love. They do so good. Such good attention to detail. They girls. do. I because uh, I, I binged like the last. Well, not binged, but I watched like, the last three episodes of the season mm-hmm. yesterday because I've got a bit behind. Which, uh, yeah. So th- the ending of the penultimate episode. I more. Oh, I really. I didn't want to text you. No, I know. I'm fully aware. I, I made a. I made a choice there. Dairy Girls, good show. Go watch it. Yeah. Just be warned that the penultimate episode might kick you in the tits. Yeah. <laughs> metaphorically probably only metaphorically <laughs> no one reached out from ireland in the 90s and literally kicked me in the tits quotes no helicopters helicopters and minecraft watch <laughs> fuck me fucking unhinged <laughs> quotes no helicopters no being kicked in the tits <laughs> oh i've got many many problems um but being kicked in the tits ain't one <laughs> airplanes are helicopters yep or close enough yep Helicopters are airplanes and vice versa. Um, brief mention of barbarian hordes, which I'm going to say based on previous pratches, that that covers our loincloth quotient. Sure. Although I do believe they were speaking specifically about Mongolian barbarian hordes, which as far as I know, did not don the loincloth on account of being from somewhere quite cold. They might have had loincloths underneath all their... Yeah, and furs. they probably did get some people who lived in hotter places. Yeah. So they were, they're about, they're around. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's hints of In the greater cloth. universe. In the greater Khan universe. <laughs> In the greater Khan. The Khan cinematic universe. <laughs> Actually, did you know Genghis Khan was quite problematic? <laughs> I, oh, well, fuck. I, 
don't want to hear a Tumblr teen's take on that. <laughs> Tumblr addresses the uh, problematic backstory of Attila the Hun. Do you know John Wayne played uh, Genghis Khan? No. And, no, so that's problematic in itself. Um, but that was, yeah. And then yep. while he was doing that, probably got the dose of radi- got the dose of radiation, which was probably what caused his eventual cancer ah. and death. Yeah. Interesting. Couldn't have happened to a nice guy. Our friend behind the bastards, John Wayne. <laughs> That's my recommendation of the week. Didn't he also have to get kicked out of the Oscars because he massively kicked off when a Native American woman accepted an yeah, award? On... He was a proper prick. Yeah, cool. John Wayne was Massive a prick. white supremacist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my favourite thing about like Attila the Hun and barbarian hordes and stuff is explaining to a friend of ours that they weren't riding on like massive war horses, but they were more likely to be tiny ponies. <laughs> he was so sad. <laughs> we ruined they're so sturdy, many illusions. They're better horses, I think. For I know, know but the center men- of gravity. The mental image of someone in like with a massive sword and all these furs on like a little Shetland pony. I know they're not like tiny Shetland well, ponies, Rinswind but still. The, uh... Uh, whatever the horse decided it was snowy. Snowy, yeah, yeah. The horse that keeps running out from between yeah. his legs. <laughs> exactly. That's what anyway, I know, imagine. Uh, we are so good at staying on topic at all times. Um, yeah, we better stay on topic today because we have other engagements. <laughs> quotes. Do you want to go first? He couldn't tell them about the feel of the time around him. He felt that if he could only focus his eyes properly, he could even see it. The past and the future were there, just around some kind of corner, bounding up to the ever-travelling now by a billion connections. He felt that he could almost reach out and point, not there or over there or up there, but there, at right angles to everywhere else. Oh, very good. This will be a theme for this episode. The devil you say. Um, I like, I, oh, yeah, just, I love the way Pratchett writes about time. It's so good. Yeah. Um, so mine is... But the clouds were parting and the moon shone through and there were shadows nosing through the rags of cloud and Johnny could feel the unseen shapes turning over and over as they drifted towards the ground. First there was an allotment and then the pickle factory and then Paradise Street exploded gently like a row of roses opening. The petals were orange tinged with black and unfolded one after another as the bombs fell along the street. Now if that isn't a beautiful fucking bit of prose. Yeah. That's oh god. Just I think it's been a while since we properly went into the like why these quotes sound so good. But that first bit, the rhythm of that run on sentence is just mm. absolutely beautiful. Like I don't I wonder if he did that consciously or unconsciously. It feels like a disservice to say it with either. Yeah. Like if you're saying it's unconsciously, it's you're ignoring the amount but if he does it consciously, it's it's like some yeah. I yeah, hmm. I reckon he tweaks it. Yeah, to make he it does sound, surely it. to make it sound that good. I mean, fuck. I mean, I know he edited like a lot, but just sentences like that, just oh, fuck. Speaking from from a writer perspective, and I know we're both writers, but I'm trying to yeah, do a bit do more, more of the wanky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I will sit and I will read sentences aloud and try and feel how the rhythm is going to be and tweak them to make them work like that. And I'm yeah. sure he did. Sit. Reading your work aloud to yourself is a very good way to edit. It absolutely is. Yes. I said I would agree with that for nonfiction stuff as well, because getting that, especially that first couple paragraphs, right. Very important. Yeah. Um, um, 
It is, however, a downside if you're performing a piece you wrote yourself because you will find yourself constantly fucking editing it. It is never finished. <laughs> I like the idea of you like reading it aloud on stage and going, no, hold on, Byro, Byro. <laughs> <laughs> Give me five minutes. <laughs> I, I've heard it. I hear it now. I hear it now. Hold on. <laughs> no, I would literally change it on the fly as I was reading it. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And oh, I was, the main reason I started recording myself performing is so I could check what I'd fucking done to the poem. <laughs> I uh, love it. Anyway, right, sorry, character stuff. Let's talk about characters. I thought we'd start with Mrs. Tachyon. Yes. Um, Pratchett says that Mrs. Tachyon really exists, or existed anyway. I used to see her sometimes at Waterloo Station, cart and all. Haven't seen her for about a year. Hope she's made it somewhere, somewhere nice. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, which uh, I hadn't seen anywhere else that he'd based her off a real person, but I expect he said so in interviews and things. There's some interesting sort of bits of uh, from her rants, mm, mm. Her, her babbling. We've got a Millennium Hand and Shrimp. We got yeah, yeah. He's which, clearly on. She's clearly on the same plane of existence as uh, as Fowler Ron, and I think Bursa does a Millennium Hand and Shrimp at some point as well. Yes, yes, he does. So there's clearly a frequency. Wonder, now that phrase precisely, I wonder if just popped into Pratchett's head one day and was like, "Oh, that sounds good." I'm going to keep that. By great. Millennium Hand and Shrimp. <laughs> yep. There's, uh, where's one of her other rants? Talk about a blue pencil. You can tell he's a lad, can't you, Mr. Shadwell? Yep, yep. Mr. She, she's just bouncing from place <laughs> to place. She's, there's a few good omensy bits in this. Um, I think I mentioned you can fit, you can feel from the kids the links to good omens oh, here. Yeah. Yeah. Though they're a different set of kids, but there are some nice ones. Um, one I noticed because we had this come up as a, something a listener said to us the other day. I believe it was Steve Jeffries, but we were talking about the bromide thing. And she, one of her rants is, that's the stuff to give to the troops, bromide. That's what ah. you think. And uh, I remember we had a conversation about bromide and tea. Smart. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't catch that one. Good job. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like the... Yeah. Just the, the little, not pop culture exactly, but like future references, which mm. if if you were in 1941 would just sound like absolute gibberish like the rest of it, which which says to me that perhaps some of the gibberish that we don't understand is just from the further future. Quite possibly. I like the little like ad jingle bits that go into her mumblings as well. Like there's an Arbisto at one point. Yeah. What no bananas? Well, that's a graffiti thing, isn't it? Uh, I think it's it's maybe for them as likes it, but not me. Thank you so much. Don't know where that came from. Liked it. (laughs) A lot of my highlighted bits have just turned out to be these unhinged rants, which became a problem when it came to writing my notes up. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) I I tried to keep it to ones that were references to like vaguely Discworld related things. Yeah. Uh, They're just, yeah, they're nice, nice little rants for sure. Um, Yeah. Do you, so Mrs. Tachyon in general are pretty good. Uh, chaotic, neutral force, I would say. Yeah, just kind of well, pinballing around the book to yeah. nick it from last week. I, it's quite clever. I'm going to talk more about how cleverly some of the scene setting is done with the time travel. Oh, cool. Yeah. But, you know, you get to learn as listeners that she's in all these different parts of time before, say, Johnny and his friends know it. Yeah. Um. So we can kind of, you almost you're yelling at the book like no she has time traveled it's fine yeah. but seeing the intentionality of it as it goes around that's really quite fun yeah. and this 
poor dear who's pitied and the social worker coming to her in the hospital when she's obviously very much in control of her life and having quite a nice time with it. Mm. And the idea of like smashing the milk bottle to get the... Yeah. As I said, it's a very Pratchettian thing, isn't it? The idea of just helping out the, the those who needs it, even when it's obvious they're too proud to ask properly or whatever. Yeah. Mm. It's, there's something quite sweet about it. And I love Guilty. Uh, with fair like oh, carpet cat, underlay, yeah, sorry, yes. yeah. <laughs> fair like. No, I don't love guilt. I'm Catholic. I, I no, embrace I guilt. Song in my head. <laughs> Jesus, no more Rasmus on this podcast. All right, weird line to draw, but fine. I can I can stick to that probably. I've drawn weirder lines, uh, Francine. <laughs> you have drawn weirder lines. I've seen them. <laughs> Sometimes they turn into dresses. Uh, Mrs. Tachyon picked things out of the gutter. Sorry. His fur-like carpet underlay, broken teeth, and boomerang-shaped backbone. The idea of him like advancing on the dogs that run away as well, spinning around, biting himself. <laughs> I feel like there's a sort of kinship between him and Grebo. They're yeah. not the same cat. No, but they're that flavour of cat. In fact, there's probably a relevant passage in the unadulterated cat. I'll try and remember and grab that during our next break. Yes, do. Um, Have you got the unadulterated cat? I actually don't. I'll get you a nice copy of that at some point. It's one of the few I still see in charity shops, so if I see one, I'll get it for you. Um, Excellent. I've spent too much time in secondhand bookshops recently, as you've seen. Uh, One of the things I got during my last little haul was another fun etiquette book, so I'll I'll grab a couple of those to to tell you later. I... um... Sorry, quick side note, but I know you mentioned you were in Cambridge the other day, and there's a very good secondhand bookstall on that little market square. I was not in Cambridge. Oh, I thought you said you were. Our other friend was. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. But there if is, is there a secondhand bookstall market square? Yeah, you know the little market square? It's right by Optical Express. I know it's there because I spent a lot of time wandering around that market square waiting for eye appointments when oh, I was yes. getting lasers fired into my face. Um, that's right. I picked up a couple of Science of Discworld the other day. Oh, nice. Not the other day. It was like last year. Month, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it's been time. almost a year since I got my eyes done. Oh, this is kind of relevant because secondhand bookshops have that weird time thing that oh, yeah. Pratchett's talked about. There we go. Now we can get back on track without feeling uh, like we've just ricocheted. I love them so much. Um, Actually, right, Johnny. Sorry. <laughs> I, I really liked one of the comments we got on the last episode, which is very relevant at this point, which was uh, Steve Jeffrey again, I think. You don't so much stray off track as jump a ditch and go careening across an adjacent field, smash through an inconveniently placed barn, scattering the obligatory chickens hithering yon, and wind up on a completely different track headed in the opposite direction. But please don't ever change. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. I also greatly <laughs> enjoyed that comment. Also, shout out to Pete, our listener, who's ended up listening to the Carpe Joculum episodes while in Whitby. That's dedication. Yeah. <laughs> I, li- I-, I do like it when um, a listener gets really engaged with the old episodes and like we get comments on some of the the ones especially the ones going further back i don't remember this at all but i'm glad you i'm glad Glad you you found value in it (laughs) (laughs) right uh johnny Mm. i'm gonna keep us on track today because we've got to go for coffee all right all right johnny how much he cares about paradise street and how much it's used Mm. as a parallel to the rest of the kids especially Kirsty, who i will obviously talk about at length and blur her section into yolos but yeah the short short summary of Kirsty, she's a dick. But, yeah. um, but when he's trying to explain Paradise Street to Kirsty and she's just not listening and it makes him care 
more and more deeply. Yeah, the idea of I think we both understand the the idea of just like getting really engaged and like going on about something and whoever we're with just like not yeah engaging at all which i think is why this podcast is so good for both of us because i think we get a lot of that energy out (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and we're also very willing to get obsessed with what the other is obsessed with (laughs) sometimes unhealthily so about these radioactive cats right (laughs) no anyway well what i enjoy about this book and kind of johnny's growth or whatever uh, and obviously he's still going through the trying times thing, except it's now very specifically he lives with his granddad and his mother looks out of a window and smokes. Yeah, and he gets to go to counselling. Yeah, which I hope it's helping him. Uh, the events in this, he's got a lot more agency in. Yeah. Uh, they're not just thrust upon him. Obviously he ends up with a time-travelling trilogy. Uh, time-travelling. Trilogy. Trilogy. A trilogy about <laughs> trolleys. Trolleys. Fuck. <laughs> he ends up... With a time-travelling trolley. Um, <laughs> Apologies yes. for the trolleys. There is one like, quite nice line about fate flicking him through a window or something, isn't there? But um, Yeah. Yeah, or not. Once the kind of initial starter pistol has been fired, he, he does... It's his choice to, to take routes. action, yeah. Yeah. yeah, as opposed to the screw, we, him, the screw we go to him and he's had that responsibility dumped on him yeah. or the, the ghost last week turn up. with the dead, yeah. yeah. Last week uh, with the dead. <laughs> Less dead this time. Less, a few dead. Yeah, certainly. Fewer Less dead. Fewer dead. Hmm. Fuck Depends nice. on how you're measuring them. If we're oh, doing like ju- by volume, it would be. <laughs> anyway, what, what unit of measurement do you use for dead people? <laughs> well, for ghosts or not ghosts specifically, isn't it? Because otherwise, we're getting yeah, the very point grim is territory. Yeah, Francine, um, Johnny, Johnny. Any more on him? That was pretty much it. Kirsty. What a dick. dick. I'm going to quickly start with, uh, we're just going to call her Kirsty. I'm not going to respect no, her trying to I have other be names. because she's. But when uh, she was considering the name Clymenistra. Yes. So I'm assuming that's a reference to the name Clytemnestra, mm. spelled with a C, uh, who was Agamem- Agamemnon's wife. Oh. And I only know that's the name spotted. Clytemnestra because it was a throwaway line in a monologue. Do you remember the um, Pregnant Bridesmaid monologue I did a couple yes, of years yeah, ago? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's a line, a throwaway line, I think it's the husband choosing baby names. Clytemnestra. That was something he'd suggested, <laughs> which I remember really clearly because it was a very pause for a laugh line and it was always a challenge to see how much I could draw out the name Clytemnestra. Clytemnestra. Yes. Fantastic. Um so Clytemnestra was sorry. I'm just looking her up real quick. There's more to with an Agamemnon's yeah. wife, no, but no, I didn't want to go yeah, into yeah. the full Greek mythology. No. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, I was I've just looking for a picture of her specifically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yes. So I'm assuming yeah, Clytemnestra is a reference. I yeah, probably. I'm going to send you the picture. Agamemnon and I do have very similar taste in women. It's true. I've always said that. But yes, to keep us blurred over with Johnny and back again. Mm-hmm. Her perspective on Johnny is a, a no interesting. I don't know if that's the way, uh, way to say it. <sighs> Which he's a natural, specifically. He was a natural worrier, but mm. she only said that because she didn't worry about anything. She got angry instead. Yeah. Um, a nice catch up because obviously we haven't seen it. Yeah, no, I fancy Clytemnestra. Mm-hmm. Sorry, just throwing that in there. Um, there we go. Relevant windows up. 
Too many of them. Yeah, I've now got three tabs open on Greek mythology. There we go. Closed. Fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, no, she's um, oh, she's just so patronising. She is. It's, a, uh, it's good to sort of catch up with where she is from the first book, which mm. is saving the planet and foxes. Yes. Which, you know, fairly saves noble foxes goals. on weekend. Yep. He doesn't save foxes on the weekends. I don't. But it's, it's all done in this, in this very non-human way, isn't it? I think, which is highlighted when they're talking about uh, homeless people. Oh, and she's yeah. saying, like, the state of Mrs. Tachyon is an indictment on society. And, oh, but I don't know, want to go and see her. I've got to sort this out. And Johnny's like, well, we'll just go see her. She's like, why? He's like, well, it might cheer her up. And, like, that's not really a concern. On a very, on a m- on a micro level, she just doesn't seem interested in people until she sees them, which, again, exactly. happened with the screwy and happened here with the street, wasn't it, when she saw the kids playing? And she's like, oh, okay, fine. Now it's not a foreign concept, but you yeah. really have to drive this stuff home to her yeah um not naturally empathetic it's because of a character flaw she tried to the more she tried to help people by explaining to them how stupid they were the more they just wandered off for no reason (laughs) the only reason johnny hadn't was that he knew how stupid he was and because of her personality she considered it a character flaw and everyone else (laughs) yes i do worry a little bit obviously i'm not like kirsty when it comes to you know the casual racism and the being a total dick, but I am a little bit like Kirsty. Like I have an overwhelming need to sort of take over for people, explain it to them, and just do it for them. Which is how I became a sous chef because I would started doing the job because I was worried other people were stupid. I don't know. I've never got that vibe from you, not in that kind of way. You've always done it nicely. Maybe not in the kitchen. I don't know. Uh, I, I call people. I, I think tr- you're I- very aware of other people in a way that she isn't so although you might try and do that i think you can see quite quickly if it's not a good idea yes i'm a patronizing control freak but i'm a lot nicer about it and no one to, a pu- and no one to give it up <laughs> sometimes yes also i'm um, not calling you a patronizing control freak put, no that's fair so. i am calling me one not you one you're not a patronizing control freak um it would be amazing if i was really considering my life um <laughs> Something I found good as like a, a writing thing, a practically writing thing. She's going into her acceptable explanations and the government hushing things up and Atlanteans and uh, the giant Yeti footprints. Mm. And it's uh, very <laughs> similar to Anathema in Good Omens, but from the perspective <gasps> of a wildly it. different character. Yes, that was it. Because I was trying to think like one of the kids was obsessed with it. It wasn't. It was anathema. Well done. It was anathema yeah. got Adam into it. Yeah. But it is it's two wildly different characters that can both take on that 14 times and the government hushed it up vibe. Yeah. Which is great when you have Johnny quietly thinking of the rational explanations like uh, Big Mac and the giant rubber feet for the Yeti footprints. That he was watching. I, I really liked that it was all Kirsty was like, well, there's a perfectly rational explanation. And Johnny's like, here we go. So it's Atlanteans, aliens. Like <laughs> Johnny's like, or there was a gas leak under the fish shop. And it's very familiar in a, uh, in a lot of conspiracy theorists will talk to you like you're being the over-emotional one. It's like facts don't care about your feelings and the facts are that lefties are running the world and Black Lives Matter are who changed our pub sign. Um yeah, you saw that Facebook comment. Oh, I yeah, did. no, I saw you comment. I decided not to join in. Yeah, no, that's fine. Last Sorry, the comments got locked. Of, <laughs> fun bit of local drama at the moment. Uh, 
Um, yeah, and uh, Black Lives Matter is actually just an organization making a profit, which fucking yeah. how shut the fuck up. Yeah, which to me is on the same level of Atlanteans did this. Except less wholesome. That one guy we know who is sure that we never meant to the moon. Yes. Who was a history teacher and refused to teach the moon landings. I can't remember if we ever said this on the podcast, but we did discover the best way to deal with conspiracy theorists like that is just to one-up them. So yeah. if we didn't Mr. Go to the moon. X unnamed say, we didn't go to the moon, we say, what the fuck, you, you believe, believe in, in the moon? moon? <laughs> exactly. They say exactly. Atlanteans did it. We say we're Atlanteans. Yeah. Yeah. Atlantis didn't sink. They just yeah. renamed it the UK, obviously. Right. It's colder um, because the government is dimming the sun. And it's now getting warmer because they're slowly trying to go back on that because it costs too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought. Anyway, where were we? <laughs> Fuck. All right. We're getting there. Should we talk? Well, let's kind of blend Kirsty into Yolas here. Okay, I don't think he'd enjoy that. Well, no, but I've <laughs> but let's put the two yeah, characters. Yeah, um, but yeah, Kirsty's just casual racism, pretty gross. Uh, one of the things I really, obviously, it's later in the book, so we've already had a nice chunk of her casual racism. But when she turns around to Yolas and says, "I thought you people were good at running," oh yeah, yeah. So people of my height. Jonas's calmness is impressive because um, it's amazing he's not fucking lumped her. There's a good setup and payoff moment right at the beginning and Kirsty's on the phone to Johnny saying that a gang of yobs beat up Mrs. Tachyon. Mm. One of them was black. Yeah. Um, and Jonas has explained that, you know, if one of his ancestors had joined Attila the Huns, huge horde of millions of barbarians, he would have definitely remembered that one of them was black. Uh, and it's paid off later on when they end up reappearing in the church hall again. And Yola says as they're going through, don't forget one of them was black. <laughs> yeah. I He does keep it together, but in, in a way that he doesn't, if that makes sense. Um, he, uh, sorry, I'm just bringing up the, it's the, yeah, because my granddad came here in 1952, said Yola's in the same plunking, hollow voice. Um, and yeah, I mean, he, he, he goes off in a decent rant, like including the slurs he would have been called and everything. Yeah. Um and then and then after he's broken a bit is when Kirsty comes in with that dig about she didn't mean it nastily, it's just how she was brought up. You people can't expect us to rewrite history. Yeah. But yeah, she's um it was uh, the description I think he's about to really kick off when Johnny He had never seen Yola so it. angry. It yeah. was a kind of rigid brittle anger. Yeah. How could someone as intelligent be so dumb? Yeah. Um, and Johnny says uh, it's just how she was brought up. Yeah. And you get this kind of payoff later on when Kirsty gets the little lady experience and mm. Yolas gets to do that. Well, they can't help it. You people can't expect us to write history. And I'm yeah. glad he gets to be a bitch to her because she deserves it. Yeah. But it would be nice if she, well, it would be nice if she fucking learned from it from the perspective of looking at this as if it was an actual person. But I do like the uh, same thing with like Mr. Grimm's story not being neatly tied up at the end of the last book. Maybe like's not the right word. I respect that it's not all neatly tied up and there's not a lovely moment where Kirsty apologizes for being mm. racist. And yeah, you see her having the learning moments and you can kind of infer from that that she will start to improve somewhat, but it's not going to happen right away. And well, no, she still says yeah. you people like a few yeah. pages later. Yeah. Um, 
and I'm glad Pratchett is more honest about that, that kids yeah. don't have those learning moments and heal everything and become wonderful people all in one fucking fell swoop. Yeah. Um, although it does turn out she's also a Trekkie, so they have one thing in common. The whole dynamic between them is very well done, like very well-written awkwardness. And yeah. um, you can see Johnny being just exhausted by having Kirsty around, even though he's a little bit relieved that she takes the lead on some things. Yeah. And she is useful to have around. I mean, you know, let's give her a moment of not sagging her off. Uh, the the fact that she can tap into the whole and tell me how that works kind of thing is fun yeah. to read. I do want to point out the uh, difference between Big Mac and Kirsty in that Big Mac is literally wearing swastikas and somehow yeah. still less racist. Yeah. That, and more, that like, gave sympathetic. Because when he said like skinhead, I was I was I was like, what worrying what kind of skinhead because there are several flavors yes you've got the very lefty skinhead and then you've got the very fascist skinhead and, and then you've got the in the middle fashionable skinhead yeah like um oh fuck me what's it called this is england that movie did you ever watch god that? i love that movie yeah. so much and that's really hard to watch how, but yeah yeah that, i don't think i could watch it again now honestly i'm a lot more sensitive than i was as a teenager <laughs> i think well, we studied it when i was ah. um studying film yeah. Um, so it was an interesting one to look at from that perspective as well. But there were some bits in it I just yeah. I really struggled with. But yeah, that movie very much deals with the kind of shift from lefty to fashion yeah. to fascist yeah. in the skinhead thing. Yeah. And that was slightly early in this. By the nineties, like the whole idea is that you know Big Mac's one of the last skinheads. The whole yeah. thing's sort of fading fading out. So I don't think they're fascist skinheads. I think it's just they've learned the fashion and that it involves swastikas because it makes you look hard. Not trying yeah. to justify wearing no, no, swastikas. No, no, he should have known better. And I'm amazed he because he lives with Yola now. I think. Well, I, I feel like that kind of gets a little bit retcon because he still makes a few comments that sound like he lives with his brother. Oh, maybe he just moved back. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel like that was a neat ending for the last book, but it's yeah. not so relevant here. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but yes, uh, he also makes a very good Nazi spy, as it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> or a very bad one. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say he's very successful, but that's fine. I can't remember much else of what he's done. He did a bunch of stuff, didn't he? He went and helped pull people out of the rubble, which was nice of him. Yeah, he gets some good moments. It's not really a him book, though. No. He was a much bigger part of the other two. Yeah. Uh, Wobbler, on the other hand, much bigger part of his moment. Book. Yes, he does get his moment. He does also get his computer skills like a little bit more retconned. Yeah, um, he wanted to be a kid in milk bottom, milk bottle bottom glasses, and a deformed anorak who could write amazing software and be a millionaire. But he'd probably settle for just being someone whose computer didn't keep smelling of burning plastic every time <laughs> he touched it. But he does, it turns out, have the instinct for money making, if not that he particular does. talent, <laughs> which is fair. Um, there's also just briefly before we go on to his like bigger moments, uh, a nice little when he's talking to the kid that turns out to be his grandfather, the one that was going to run away. Mm. He's talking about how rubbish it is here. That Atterbury kid pinched pinched my piece of shrapnel, uh, as in I'm assuming a little reference to Atterbury from last week. Oh fuck! There yeah. we go. So that's a clever little blend it all together. What's it? Mm-hmm. Now which one was he? He was the Royal British Legion guy who yes. then kind of takes on the whole. That's it. Yes. Whose father his was killed in the war. was killed in the wars. Yes, yes, yes. Well done. Thank you. So it all works out. Cool. I like that. Uh, yeah. Wobble looks great, though. I like him as Sir John. 
Yeah, I've sort of I've sort of separated yes, them out a little that, bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was clever. Before Wobbler, be- yeah, because Sir John, there's also obviously the you assume it's Johnny at first, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and the nice little hints of of Adolf and Stalin, the fish as well. Those being the two fish to survive, and the fact that Sir John has two fish called Adolf and Stalin. Yeah. Uh, so that's like a little hinty threat. Obviously, they're not the same two fish. No, no, no. I know. Yeah, he said it was his de- their descendants, though, didn't he? Yeah, all yeah. that he keeps getting them and naming them after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before he becomes Sir John, the the moment where he breaks down after he realizes he's been left behind is so sad and so sweet. Mm. Where he's sort of, no, it's fine. You're going to jump out. Come on, let's all go home and get a burger. Um, I, I don't mind buying. We can go down the Chinese. And then he's sort of finally, finally realizing, like, oh, there's no Chinese takeaways. <laughs> And he's been left. That made me very sad. I did. Plot bits like that in media always get me a little bit because it's just that you have to obviously skim it to an extent because you can't then go through the next 60 years of him living. But things like that and and like, um, oh, like in Doctor Who with Rory. Uh, Oh, yeah, when he like has to go back and he's Roman or in um, Blink, the first episode Mm -hmm. with the Weeping Angels where like her friend suddenly get sent back to like 1910 yeah it always yeah i'm not sure what emotion it elicits in me exactly but it's 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 one it is emotion emotion. Mm. it's there's a sadness to it and there's sort of a oh well i'm glad they it worked out and they got to have a nice life for themselves but they'll always wonder about the life they didn't get to have slash would have had if they were in the future and and that thing yeah definitely yeah it definitely kind of hits my scared of mortality buttons as well. Yes, very much. I wouldn't like to suddenly be sent back to the future. It's like, well, no, you can't see any more future now. Yeah, exactly. You still get to live a whole life, but yeah. you don't get to see any more of what the world will become. You're... Yes. It's yes. like being told you can only watch television you've already seen for the rest of your life. Like that, but for your but, actual life. Yeah, but for your yeah, actual yeah, life. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Anyway, yeah, poor, poor Wobbler, Sir John. I'm glad he did well. Interestingly, he never married or had kids because it didn't seem right. Yeah, which is like which he's is, an interloper in this. He sort of gets that he's not really meant to be here yeah. as such. Um, mm. I like the all the little interactions with him and his driver as well. Of like, look, I'm going to give you a lot of money to do what I'm telling you to do and not what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, I loved when he is trying to warn his grandfather about not getting a motorbike. And he's like, why won't he listen to me? Why won't he just listen to sense? I and would then listen if I came to me. And then gets the letter and is like, well, this is all bullshit. <laughs> I highly respect that. <laughs> I it's so would like accurate. to address I would like to address some concern for the concept of the Willy Wobbler clown. Because it's been a year since we talked about clown eggs. So uh, was, uh no wanna... such thing as a fish had a bit on it yesterday, so what, on clown eggs or oh, Willy Wobbler? Clown eggs, clown eggs ah, yeah. Cool. Uh, I've learned some more about clown eggs, in fact. Uh, Have which you? I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send you the the link to that episode, actually. Yeah, I'll I listen you'll to enjoy that. that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry, I just want to say Willy Wobbler one more time before we move on. Very well. Willy Wobbler. Um, but yeah, no, I enjoy it. I think it's a clever character moment, and it's clever that it's not Johnny. Yes. Uh, because you, it's... Because of the way they treat Johnny and the way he wanders about things, um, you don't kind of get this feeling of that Wobbler would be the one to start thinking about the trousers of time as he's living the rest of his life out from the past forward. Yes. 
Yes. Because that's a Johnny way to think. And it's like Wobbler's picked that up from him. So the sort of fake, it's not really a fake out, but. No. Yeah. And he he's kind of obviously realized he doesn't have Johnny to do all that bit for him now. And, and he's got yeah. to do it for himself. Yeah. And so he's lived out his whole life. And then near the end, something gone, well, actually, hang on, I can learn this. Let's start getting the books yeah. and the Stephen Hawking. I like the moment of the, the telling the joke to make the rest of the kids realize. Yes, that was yeah. a good moment. Like Johnny's clearly conned on already, but and I think it's Yolis who does. No, it's Buddhist. Yeah. Oh fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like the idea. I love that idea of just like reacting to somebody as though in the way you always would. Because yeah, yeah just that. And then reali- that's how you realise it's that somebody. Yeah. Oh, no, no, good it's a bit in uh, that anime you made me watch. Uh, Avatar. Uh, Avatar. Yeah, with his best mate, right? Oh, yeah. There's a bit in Avatar The Last Airbender where he, because he's been trapped in the ice for 100 years, and then he suddenly realizes this really old dude running a city is yeah. his old mate, Boomy. Yeah. That's and it's a, a similar, like, a line he said, wasn't it, or something? Yeah, yeah it was something very stupid he said. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I didn't know any locations because we don't really go anywhere apart from into the past. And I feel like we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. No, agreed. later yeah. on. Right. So I found unadulterated cat. Yes. And I believe that guilty must be a boot-faced cat. That's fine by Pratchett. They have ah. fangs, crossed eyes, enough scars to play a noughts and crosses championship on, and ears like old bus tickets. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Most boot-faced cats are black. Strange but true. Hmm? Also, I had a quick Google while I was there to find out if gil- why, he- why he's called guilty. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting one. And accidentally came upon a summary of Edgar Allan Poe's short story, The Black Cat, which sounds mm-hmm. fucking horrendous. I've never read it and I never will now. God. I've never read it and have no idea what it's about. So, yeah. Animal abuse. Just... Oh, cool. <laughs> fun. Yeah. That's fun. I just lost track of where my book was for a second. Should we talk about the little bits we liked? Yes. Rather than animal abuse. Speaking of losing track of things. Lost property. The whole conversation in the 1940s police station about the lost property office. Yeah. So what if the crown jewels were found? Oh, we put them in the lost property cupboard and then find the king if his name was on them. <laughs> the whole conversation about lost property and everything really reminded me of the watch in the Discworld, but I like looking for the bits that have threads that carry to Discworld yeah. and back again, and that was very much one of them. Yeah. Very knobby. Except very nobby no- would have nicked it. Nobby this, would have this guy at least seemed very it. earnest about his... It's got a good thick door. It's got a lock. Only I have the key. What's wrong with it? Uh, yeah, there's maybe a bit of carrot to it or a bit of detritus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that flavour. Yeah. So yes, I enjoyed that. I liked the bit about spontaneous combustion. I was trying to find a less weird way of saying that. Nope. Uh, <laughs> when Johnny's like, as if I didn't have enough to worry about. Now I have to worry about spontaneously combusting. Um, I had a book like the ones they're talking about when I was little that had... When I was too small, I think I'd be having such books because I had like a picture of the aftermath of spontaneous combustion. Uh, God, I think I remember reading a bit like that, possibly in yeah, the school library. It might it. have been the same one. I bet it was. I I I didn't spend long enough trying to track down exactly which one it was because that there are so many about just unexplained phenomena. But it had like it wasn't things like uh, aliens or yetis. It was things like spontaneous combustion, ball lightning. Yeah. Um. Uh, just stuff you can maybe just about believe uh but yeah i just that brought back that feeling i had when i used to read about it like oh i mean nowadays i assume a lot of spontaneous combustion had to do with the incredibly flammable nightwear 
Yes, quite possibly. As I, when I was the other week, uh, both of us were looking through some, some vintage nightwear on eBay because we don't like to sleep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'd rather read about pajamas. And um, yeah, looking at some of the materials, I was just like, ah, yeah, no, I'm not going to actually buy something from the 70s because I now see why everyone kept lighting on fire. And those like um, the, the dressing gowns we kept finding that looked like fucking duvets. Yeah. Like that is. That's why fires are flammable. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I was quite concerned about spontaneous combustion as a child. I went through a phase of obsessively reading about unexplained phenomena yeah. and stuff like 40 in time stuff, like fish falling from yeah. the sky. And, and partly because I like I was at Catholic school and dealing with like, well, do I think God is real enough? What other weird shit's out there? God, it's never rain quite... of fish. Yeah. Exactly. Well, rain of fish, I'm sure, links to God. Wasn't that one of the plagues? No, locusts. Rain of fish, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Plague of locusts, rain of fish. Rain of blood. Um, there we go. Rains of blood. I should watch The Prince of Egypt again. That's such a good movie. Um, but yeah, so no, I got I got weirdly obsessed about it a while. It hasn't entirely left me, which is why I still really want to know what happened at the Dyatlov Pass. Yeah. Well, that's that's a different flavor. That's, that's a that, different yeah. flavor. There's a really good Sinisterhood couple of episodes on that one. Yes, but uh, we still don't know. No, we don't, but it's good. <laughs> um. Yeah, so... Yeah, see, Wobbler finds himself trapped at the past and makes his millions by inventing the burger bar. Shit, I thought, yeah. What if you were trapped in the past and wanted to invent something to make your millions? Fuck, I saw this earlier and I forgot to think about it. Do you have one? Uh, is there anything I know? There's anything, is it? I don't know how to make that's things. That's the thing. I don't know enough of like programming and stuff to invent C or something. Yeah. But what I do know how to do is write. So what I would do is write the Harry Potter books early, but also better. That. Sounds like it could be a net gain for the world for sure. And then, then you don't not have, like, become a massive transphobe. Yeah. 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 I like that idea. So um, I could become a billionaire, not a giant transphobe. Good. Good thinking. And um, also maybe take some of the anti-Semitism and apologies for slavery out of the books. I like the way that Fratchet has dealt with Wobbler like being realistically unable to invent things, which is that most of his money is made from inventing, from investing in inventions yeah. he knows are a good idea. I really like that. As a, I think that was a really clever way of doing that. It was a clever way of doing it. And also the whole burger bar thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just made McDonald's, what, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, what would I invent? Fuck. I'm not even sure I could like write. Probably the only books I'd have a decent chance of writing from memory would be these ones and not well enough and obviously i wouldn't want to undercut fratchet <laughs> yeah see that's the thing like i'd be very willing don't get me wrong i haven't got the harry potter books memorized but like i no, remember you know enough the, you know them. the plots and they're not exactly complicated to write exactly um, yeah huh hmm hmm yeah no i don't know I, I would at least have some time to think about it if i were jetted back into the past yeah i'm also trying to be realistic about the fact that if we were stuck as women in the 1940s we might have quite limited opportunities ah uh, Yes, especially if we start off with no resources. Yeah. Might have to do your, your cute woman thing. Marry yeah, someone I mean, rich. Yeah, I'm sure I could find a rich husband pretty easily. Uh, we're a bit past it now by 1940 standards, but even so, widowers, they exist. Just say you're a exactly. widow. Exactly. Yeah. Spinster. Make it grow. Be such a good like spinster aunt, though. Yeah. Imagine me as the spinster Imagine me as but the spinster aunt. You need to have inherited money like a, for that. Yeah. But could you imagine me as the spinster aunt in like a Jane Austen novel? Absolutely. Just cackling in the corner. I've had a real craving to read a bit of Jane Austen recently and I haven't really had time. Yeah, I've really fancied a bit of... Dracula. 
I've really fancied. Well, Dracula, we're reading quite piecemeal. That's quite nice. We're reading doing... Dracula daily through Tumblr, listeners, which is you get like well, not an email. through Tumblr. No, but you sign up through Tumblr and you get an email every day with a bit with... of Dracula, or most days. I'm a few days behind. Um, with a little bit of Dracula and. So I, Dracula, I feel quite guilty like because I refused time. to read it for the podcast when it would have been relevant. <laughs> and well, now, I don't, now I don't feel like I have to, I want to. So. <laughs> it's fun reading it like this because obviously it's not the way it's done. It's not told in order in the book. Yeah. yeah. So and also because it. everyone else is and it's memes everywhere. It is. It, it's sort of like being in a massive, ridiculous book club. It's great yeah. fun. Anyway, uh, local history stuff. Dracula's not local to us because we're not in Whitby. <laughs> Or indeed in Transylvania. No, no, we're not. Still got no castles. Um, got some local castles. history stuff. Sorry, that's me. Yes, I was waiting for you to say the next bit, but that's my job. Yeah, I just, all the bits about like watching uh, Blackberry from a distance, looking at it from a distance when they're back in time and it's all smaller and like running down streets, you kind of recognize, but then there should be a street here and there isn't. I've just been very into like, old photos and maps of local stuff recently and i don't know it just tickles a bit of my brain that i love very much and like just i really to... sorry i really enjoy when wobblers running around and the the trees not grown yet yeah yeah that's such a nice one of the things exactly. i love looking at like old pictures and stuff is seeing where the trees are going to be yes there's like um there's a picture of uh, uh nearby me like a few streets yeah. away um from like the 60s and there's a tree in there that is still there and like it's oh, just been planted really which was quite good and yeah just like when i'm on dog walks and stuff i really like because I've, I've, I've got some old ordnance survey maps and things like that and just like i know where a lime pit was and uh, <laughs> and i know that this road used to stop here and i've seen pictures of this and that and yeah no i don't know it's just really it's pleasing i would suggest listeners if you feel like it looking up a few really old really old maps we're lucky because we live in a very old town, so you can look up some medieval maps even and like yeah. go from there and watch the town grow and like look up the etymology of various street names and it's all very nerdy. But it's even just so remembering <laughs> looking back at old pictures from the change in the town like since yeah. I was born, like yeah. uh, the castle market and that whole yeah. shopping development. I remember when all this was car park. I remember what like uh, it was my route to school watching that cinema being built so you got to yeah. see it from the inside out and you got to see like they were building where the screen the seats were going to be in the screens you could see all oh, the steps cool. huh. that was very cool i loved driving past that when it was being oh, built nice see i did live around here then i think but I, I, I must have just not gone past that very often but yeah yeah hmm. fun anyway yeah should that's... we go on to should we talk about the biggest i've actually we're going talking history yeah so this isn't much of a bigger thing apart from it's not really a bit i like as much as a vague thing i wanted to talk about which is the myth of the bliss blitz spirit which is so pernicious in british culture and which i think pratchett deals with quite well here which mm. is the the idea of all right, keep first, calm first and the, carry on yes the, the the overarching thing being like oh everybody pulled together in the blitz and just got on with it and everyone loves those photos of people going to work through the rubble and and you know the postman delivering to the one standing house on the street and it's all brought out of this oh yes we can pull together through everything and aren't children rubbish today because they couldn't do that and it's invariably by people who weren't even fucking born at the time obviously no. but um <laughs> i think that the way it's carted out is often in quite a negative way because it well a it's very misleading because obviously people weren't 
keeping calm and carrying on because that was like just the the way of the, the British. British spirit. It is because you know it, they had these people to. had to go to work because they needed to eat. It's not it's not really a, a good thing about the country that these people who just watched the rest of their street get blown up still had to go to work. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, I mean, also there bad. were people robbing blunt bomb sites for anything they yeah, could find that exactly, was left behind. Yeah. There was a massive black market. Yeah. Exactly. And you saw a lot of this commentary uh, in the first days of COVID and that where people were like, God, I can't believe people are like being scalpers in that now with with supplies and people just weren't like this back in the days. Like they absolutely fucking were. The, yeah. uh, <laughs> the crime rate during the blackouts was obscene. Um, and yeah, but I feel Pratchett dealt with it quite well here in that one's reaction to something like that happening quite often is surprisingly stoic surprisingly get on with things and it's not so much like a strength of character as it is a human response you need to get through these next steps you cannot become hysterical right now we need to do this and this and this um which then quite often ends with just fucking breaking down in laughter like the boys do or yeah yeah it's that kind of shock reaction like as you know not going back into all the depressing stuff i talked about last week but if someone has been through some traumas you Mm -hmm. do like you make a to-do list and you do the things you can do yeah because like you have to; those things have to happen. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, and the the human it, it is perhaps a good thing. It is a compliment to the human spirit in general, not the British spirit of the old days. That that we are able to, and people help each other more than you'd think they would as well in the aftermath of disasters. And that's kind of I should now approach it from the opposite direction, which I think people sometimes go too far the other way and say, "Oh, yeah, in the, in the wake of a disaster, everyone's fucking at each other's." throats with machetes and and the government can't tell people anything in case there's a mass panic and it's like no actually in times of adversity people generally tend to just Pull try together. and help each other more than you'd imagine it's when when it stretches into the long term it gets tricky a bit. yeah um but yeah so i that just brought up those annoyances for me and i was pleased that Pratchett did it in such a good way it's something um, so the way I'm going to put this is going to make me sound like a total sociopath and I'm cool. going to try and clarify that, but it's something I think about often. And the reason I have the stupid meme tattoo on my leg, but it wasn't a meme at the time when I got the words fucking live, love, love tattooed on me. Oh, we're admitting that, are we? <laughs> I'm sure I've mentioned that on the podcast before, but just in case I haven't, I will tweet a picture. You can all rip the piss out of I me. I like it. I do I like it. Get memed. Um, no, it's just a middle-aged woman named Susan's wall decal that I've got tattooed on me. No offence to any middle-aged women named Susan who have live, love, love on their wall listening. (laughs) Actually, some offence. Right, no, the point I was making is this remembering that other people are people. And again, I'm fully aware that makes me sound like a fucking sociopath. I get it, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's... You can be very caught up in your own head and you can almost have this thing of what if I'm the only real human and everyone around me is a projected hologram kind of thing. I don't go quite that far. No, I don't go that far, obviously. <laughs> but I think people often forget that everyone else is having the same human reaction yeah. to what's happening as they are, because we're all so caught up in our own little worlds. And I think something this book brings out with this like, this fucking myth of the Blitz spirit, that it's this special British thing. It, it's not. It's a human thing, because we all react very similarly, not identically, when going through horrific things. And that means some people will do good things and some people will do bad. It comes up a lot when people talk about asylum seekers or migrants, as they now apparently officially call them the press. Um, 
where I, I hear this, this narrative from people where it's like, oh, yeah, and all these, these cowards ran away rather than defending their country. And they'll be talking about fucking Syria or something. Yeah. It's, like, it's not the same as the Blitz. You no. could not have come up with a better plan than these people have. They are human beings. They are not inherently less brave or clever than you are. They are not literally just different in different situations. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... And I would never, obviously, really wish this upon these people, but I kind of wish they had to face something similar just so. And they'd still never get it, would they? Because you get all these fucking, the only moral abortion was my abortion crowd. Excellent yep. article, by the way. And yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I'm going off on a rant there. Ta- tell me about time travel. Time travel. This, so this <laughs> brings me into, again, why this is such a good book. We talked yeah. about with the last two. They are very good books, especially they are very good kids' books. Yeah. And so in this book, does very well as every person in it is so human that's a really fucking stupid thing to say but you know it's what Pratchett does well he writes yeah. people he writes very peopley people people total lack of black and white to it mm. apart from maybe when Kirsty's being racist or when the shopkeeper's calling Yola Sambo mm. but yeah within that also is very well written time travel and I don't it's not that I dislike time travel things but they always give me a headache the paradoxy stuff gives me a headache I've talked about this mm. So I tend to stick my fingers in my ears and go la 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 a little bit at it. Um, and obviously up front, yes, there's some Back to the Future references and they're quite funny. I do like the Back to the Future movies. Yes. Um, they're fun. But it's it's so deftly written, like right at the beginning, the scene setting with, you know, obviously it's Blackberry, but it's Blackberry and it just sets a couple of things to show you it's Blackberry in the past. A dig for victory poster. Yeah searchlights the blackout mm. and then it goes to a few pages later and now you're in blackberry in the present within the book and it's nine o'clock in the evening on in blackberry high street and there's an electrical shop and televisions mm-hmm. and it's just that to set the scene into a different time and it just it's so cleverly done yeah. and simply done it's not uh patronizingly done no um yeah there's enough it's obvious enough that it's intended audience like young adults will be able to get it but not yeah. like spoon fed. Yeah. And I really enjoy that. And it goes into this, uh, you get the discussion of the paradoxes and the idea of killing your own grandfather, which was, we've just done last continent and it's almost like, it's not word for word, the same conversation they're having on the Island, but there's definitely a, yeah. Uh, they're hand in hand with each other. Yeah. Which kind of goes on from what I was saying last week about when you get the boys arguing, it's a lot like the wizards arguing. Yeah. Uh, and that brings me joy but this idea of going back and fixing things it carries on so nicely from the angel from the last book Mm. this idea of what if on your deathbed someone gives you the opportunity to go and do everything differently yeah except it's not an angel it's a shopping trolley full of bags yes and also you don't get to go back and do your own life differently no you have to go and live someone else's your own life life. somewhere else or someone else's life entirely or yeah (laughs) But I think they work together. It goes from Johnny wondering if you could do something like that to, okay, here's this thing I'm obsessed with and there's a real opportunity to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, Uh, yeah, he he does it in just this one reality while understanding that it's not done everywhere else. And it's uh, Kirsty goes in this rant when she's kind of figuring out that the trolley's possibly a bit time-travelly. Mm-hmm. 
She's doing this. Well, haven't you ever wondered what would happen if a flying saucer landed in your garden or you found some magical item that let you travel in time or an old cave with a wizard that had been asleep for a thousand years? It's like, Johnny doesn't have to wonder. Yeah. Because last book, he met the dead and he had to wonder there, what would I do in this situation? Oh, I'm going to do the thing. Yeah. Rather than walking away from it. Yeah. It's it, it's very straightforwardly done from his perspective, isn't it? It's uh, It's not this whole... Oh, mythical quest thing. It's like, right, this is happening. Let's go and This do is what thing. I need to do about it, obviously. I mean, he gets his, like, spacing out spiritual moments later. But generally, just the thing is, like, obviously, I have to go and help this now. It's also nice to get a, like, a literal representation of the trousers of time, which is something that are more, like, theoretical in the Discworld books. Yeah. Well, if, you, don't... <laughs> if, you, if you spot the trousers of time, tell me which leg to drive down. <laughs> <laughs> But it is. It's literally they're they're flipping from I don't know. I guess parallel universe. I've been watching a lot of Doctor Who recently, which has probably quite helped me with reading this one. Yeah, I expect so. Whenever they make the changes, it doesn't change the future. It creates another future, yeah. and they have a bit of a minute of hopping between the two presents yeah. slash futures. But it's really it, hard it, to talk about. It is, and it has to be by the sound of it quite a big event to split the futures up, doesn't it? Like it has to be a. Not like a big world-changing event, but someone not being born this time or whatever. It's not like a butterfly effect yeah. thing so much as a unless they did effect. actually yeah. create eighteen other parallel universes yeah, from some particular answers. Yeah, perhaps <laughs> we stepped on that end, and now your grandfather was a knight. Yes, hang on, fantastic. <laughs> and there's some, there's just some really nice ways of how it's talked about, like mm. at, in the context of changing the future and those ways. This idea of everything you do changes everything. Every time you move in time, you arrive in a time a little bit different to the one you left. What you do doesn't change the future, just a future. Yeah. And the follow-up of there's a million places where the bombs killed everyone in Paradise Street, but it didn't happen here. Yeah. It's like a obviously we didn't change the future for all those people, but you know, we did want we did a good thing. We saved these yeah. people. Yeah. We saved these people here and that's, that's all you can really ask right for. Yeah. And the follow-up of uh, when you travel in time, it really happens, but it's like a little loop in a tape. And you go mm. round the loop and then carry on from where you were before, and yeah. everything that's changed turns out to be history. Yeah. I like also that, not early, early on, but reasonably early on, on all the time travelling adventures, one of them says something like, oh, but what, what if we do this and it changes this? And another of them says, look, no, if we think like that, we're just not going to do anything. What we need to do is save the street. Yeah. Yeah. There is no point worrying about it, which yeah. is nice that they take that stance so early on and don't panic about ants. Yes. <laughs> um, one of the physical representations I really enjoyed was while he was running down that street, um, when he like decides on the, the street to run down, and the, that's all very not physically Possible. explained so much. Yeah, but um, <laughs> the the town in front of him was like frozen and blue and then behind him the sky was red so it's like the time shift uh, yeah like, that's how you tell how things are moving in space isn't it the the red and blue coloring i was i was thinking of it like a pair of like really old school 3d glasses as well uh i think possibly like he's talking about the time the time thing yeah that probably makes <laughs> a lot more sense <laughs> but i like the 3d glasses angle and does make you wonder where the dimension is that they could see if they stood back far enough <laughs> Let's not ask. Oh, there's a term for this. I have red shift and blue shift. That's what it's called. 
not time shift. Um, and yeah, it's uh, uh, you can work out whether something's moving away or towards by what color yes. it is. Yeah. Um, and and then also I quite like the parallel because they're all cold and everything's turned into crystals. And there's a nice bit like descriptive bit about that. And then after the bomb goes off, there's a very similar descriptive bit, except it turns out everything's covered in glass. Yeah. That was a nice little parallel. And it's the way they, they keep having to deal with what they're trying to do to fix things not working. Yeah. You know, they can't stop the bomb. They can't change that part of the future. So they're doing the air raid siren and they're doing the air raid siren and then yeah. they're going in a different direction to do the air raid siren. Yeah. He briefly meets his own grandfather as well, which is uh, a very nice resolution right at the end where he puts yeah. the playing card back. Yeah, you don't get that. Enough. You don't have to have another moment of the slowly realizing who you are when you're talking to him. You get no. back and go, ah. And he, <laughs> but he puts the playing card yeah. back in front of his grandfather, and his grandfather just sort of has a, ha. Huh. That explains it. Thought you looked familiar, yeah. sort of moment. His grandfather does seem to be quite accepting of such things with the, uh, oh, dead, are you? How's that going? Just uh, <laughs> shreds, you say. Just shreds, you say. I also really love the sort of metaphor of how you end up with bags of time. Um, it's like Johnny thinking, well, you could save time. You can waste it. It can run through your fingers and you can put a stitch in it. Mm -hmm. Of course, perhaps that was only a matter of speaking and it all depended on how you looked at it. But Mrs. Tachyon looked at things in a corkscrew way. Yes. Yes. If you were able to look at it from an odd enough perspective, why not indeed? And um, eventually Johnny does look at it from an odd enough perspective. Yeah. So something they mentioned in the the episode of the Museum of Curiosity, actually, was um, perhaps it was on with a, an astrophysicist. Uh, who said something like, I mean, the, the concept of time obviously is bollocks in more scientific words. Um, <laughs> because if you say even the metaphors we use show that it has to be bollocks because we, we use the, the flow of time, which if you've got a river of flowing time, then surely it must be moving in conjunction with something which we never bothered to explain. And we've got this and that. And the, yeah. This is why I don't like learning physics, Francine. Well, I don't mind this side of it so much because... I don't know it's why not. It's so big. It doesn't it's... upset me as much as quantum. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, actually, the kind of idea of linear time being bollocks is something I've held, I guess, for a long time because as I started dealing with, uh, maybe I'm an atheist. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that separated out of my beliefs very quickly was the idea of this creator and beginning and ending of universe. Because was like, time is linear because we could perceive it as linear, but what if it's not actually linear and it's just kind of always been there and it doesn't need a creator because there wasn't really a beginning or end? Wow, you went very deep with your realisations. As far as I recall, my atheism starts with a, wait, no, this doesn't make sense. Never mind. Well, yeah, <laughs> but then I decided to do A-level philosophy and become a wanker about it. That's right, yeah. Um, but talking about time travel and the lack of linear time, quite possibly. Older Wobbler explaining the lack of logic to this is another nice moment. Yeah. So I don't think time's all that logical. It bends itself around humans and it's probably full of loose ends. Absolutely. Some uh, follows up. Sometimes loose ends are necessary. If they weren't, spaghetti would merely be an embarrassing experience. <laughs> it was very nearly my quote. <laughs> Just trying to eat just like an infinite loop of spaghetti. Oh, no. oh that's so Escher. Nobody wants Escher spaghetti. Escher spaghetti. Escher spaghetti. Escher hoops. Spaghetti. No. Oh. I like Escher spaghetti. Mobius with that. strips in your spaghetti. Get that Mobius out of my spaghetti. Oh. Waiter, waiter. That's an infinite quantum theory in my spaghetti. Get out. <laughs> 
I'm very embarrassed for you, sir. <laughs> but how fast is it moving? Right, no, come on. Let's move away from physics. God's sake, Joanna. Anyway, I could uh, sit and read out millions of different quotes from this book and why I think it's good, which yeah. is pretty much all this uh, fucking section is. Um, I, one other thing I love is that is the little fossil theme running through it. It's only mm. which a couple of times, but yeah. it starts with this dreaming of a trap fly and near the end he describes his memories as being trapped behind amber glass, which yeah. is a nice... I thought there were loads of really good kind of calls into the fly thing, actually. Um, like when they were talking about being caught in concrete with your legs all sticking out or whatever. I thought that was a kind of parallel bit. Yeah, um, and the fridge molecules. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of a time fossil as well, isn't it? It's like this thing had to have happened, even if it yes. didn't. Yes. Yeah. Fixed events, again, too much yes. Doctor Who. Yes. Um, but overall, I just, I think it's, again, such a well-written book and especially a well-written book for kids slash young adults because it's completely unpatronizing about the time thing. It goes right back to what you were talking about at the beginning that you can, for a certain extent, take for granted that people, you know, they know back to the future. They know Star Trek. They yeah. know enough to get what's being done here. Yeah. I but then say, to take it and do something kind of unexpected with it. Yeah. Um, I must say there was a few instances, as usual, of Pratchett being grumpy in the forums about this kind of thing with like people saying, oh, he got this from back to the future or this from that. And he was like, what do you think? Back to the Future was the first thing that had someone meet his grandfather or make a joke to recognise someone by it. Or... <laughs> uh, one of the oldest sort of things that come up in like physics and discussions when you start talking about time travel. Yeah, we've done that. Yeah. We've done the grandfather paradox to death and we won't bring it back again. We'll do a grandmother paradox. That yeah, time. yeah. It's, uh, more oh, no, sensible the, with knitting. We won't do the uh, grandmother oh. paradox. I just remembered the episode of Futurama. Oh yeah, oh no, yeah. no. to shreds you say. Uh, <laughs> right, fuck. Okay, we need to leave. <laughs> we do. I don't want to land on uh, a really depressing point about grief again. So, uh, have you got an obscure reference for Neil or me? Uh, yeah, I'll cheer you right up with Wartleberries. What the fuck are Wartleberries, Francis? Well, Joanna, I'm glad you asked. Uh, so, when it was talking about the 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 moors, the downs, uh, the tumps were five mounds on top of the down. Uh, they grew heather and wortleberries. Wortleberries, says I. What is a wortleberry? So I googled it. It's spelt with an H, which it wasn't in my copy of the book, uh, as in W-H, wortle. <laughs> Excellent, underrated author. Ah, yes, I remember his poem <laughs> about funerals. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, the... <laughs> right. the um, It's the Devon name given to the wild blo blueberries that grow on the moors in Devon and the West Country, mm -hmm. uh, which tells me that perhaps... This is where Blackberry originally was, a little further down than we thought. Yes. Um, but uh, it's also, we probably know it as a bilberry, but it's a European blueberry, sometimes confused for American blueberries. You can tell the difference because bilberries are red in the middle. They're those berries that really stain you like worse than blackberries. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever eaten any while you're out and about. Um, I don't think so. No, I mean, they look a bit like other things that you shouldn't eat, so that's probably helpful. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're red in the middle, whereas uh, American blackberries are white. Not American mm -hmm. blueberries, uh, blueberries rather. Um, and yeah, that's that. But because that was a short one, I have a bonus one, which is a question for our listeners. Yes. Um, in one of the forums, I found out somebody, I found somebody who said, and this was in 1998, <laughs> so <laughs> there's no chance of me tracking down. Um, I've just seen a documentary about breakfast cereals. One of them had a rhyme very similar to the one you put in Johnny and the Bomb about blackberry pickles, uh, which was uh, Tim Jump, 
Little Tim leaping in the air being bitten or something. Yeah. Up in the air leaps Little Tim, Blackberry Pickles have bitten him. So it must have been similar to that one. Um, is this a joke or a coincidence? I'm curious. Uh, Pratchett says, no, it's research. Um, <laughs> anyway, I had a little look around and I couldn't find which breakfast cereal jingle that must have been referring to. And so I feel like my best shot is to ask some ask if any of our listeners remember it. Yeah. Or remember seeing that documentary, which came out in 98. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if you know any breakfast cereal that's similar to that one, please tell me. Nice. I hope they can. I don't. I don't. Right. Um, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Trisha Mickey Fret. Next month, we are returning to the Discworld. We're going to talk about the fifth elephant. There is absolutely no requirement to watch The Fifth Element to talk about the book The Fifth Elephant, but if you want to, like it's a pretty good film, I'd, you know, go for it. We are going to have a slightly longer break than usual because I'm off on my holes and doing the dreaded turning 30. <laughs> so there will be some bonus content coming to you next week for the 25th of May. Mm -hmm. Glorious 25th. And soon we'll actually be able to talk about that in context. Next year we will. Mm-hmm. And then we'll be back with our first episode of The Fifth Elephant on the 13th of June. Yes. Gosh. However, in the meantime, sorry, dear listeners, uh, you can follow us on Instagram at The Tree Shall Make Ye Fret, on Twitter at Make Ye Fret Pod, on Facebook at The Tree Shall Make Ye Fret. Join our subreddit community, r slash TTSMYF. You can email us your thoughts, queries, castles, snacks, and time travel, but no explanations of physics, please. The Unless Tree you make do that kind of drive-by drive -by explanation, which I quite enjoyed. Yeah, no, I do quite like that. <laughs> uh, the Tree Shall Make Ye Fret Pod at gmail.com. And if you want to support us financially, you can head to patreon.com forward slash the true shall make ye fret and exchange your hard earned pennies for some bonus nonsense. We will have a rabbit hole coming out in the next couple of weeks, which Francine is in charge of. And if I remember, there'll be a recipe by the end of the month. The rabbit hole is still, I believe, going to be on that cemetery scandal. I haven't changed my mind. So. Excellent. And once again, I've forgotten to have the last line of the book handy. Super. In the meantime, dear listener, she went back to 1903 and spent it on fish and chips and still had change. They can't all be profound. <laughs> <laughs>